0: Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 155 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I read books together for the first time. In this episode, we're going to start reading The Lord of the Rings Part 1, The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. We have finished The Hobbit, and we are moving on with the continued adventures of Middle-earth. Rob, did you have any housekeeping? Do we do the housekeeping first? on the first I don't episode? Know. I don't know. I think so. Might as well clear housekeeping whatever was left is, over.
1: My housekeeping is pursuant to this book, but I can go ahead and bring it up now because I honestly don't remember. It's been a while since we talked about it.
0: Sure. We
1: talked about somebody's parents dying, drowning.
0: Frodo's parents drown.
1: Right. I thought we talked about Bilbo's parents drowning, and I don't, I was wanted to correct that. Oh, okay. if that is the case, Bilbo's parents did not drown. We don't know what happened to them.
0: Mm.
1: I went to Lord Fair of the Rings wikis and everything, and nope. I'm like did they both oh. drown? No, that
0: was not the case. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me if they had both drowned, but meh. Okay, that's so that's the only housekeeping I have. Wonderful, good job. Let's <laughs> go into the edition edition. Uh, considering this is the first episode of a new book, mm. my I'm reading a paperback copy of the Fellowship. With mine says it's the first Ballantine Books edition but the 64th printing from January 1978. Damn. So even by 1978, they had made they had 64 printings. Popular book. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't have any art in mine or anything cool, but that's that's the version I have. I do got a, a cute little picture of Tolkien on the back.
1: Aw, with his pipe.
0: profile. He's laughing, having a good old time. Uh, how about you? What are you reading?
1: Well, I'm going to take you back to the before times, in the heydays between the films two towers and the return of the king oh wow back to my uh well, hold on a second let's do this properly here's an actual picture i want to send you <laughs> to my 116th birthday party that was lord of the rings themed and we had the director's or the the what was it called oh, director's yeah.
0: cut sure
1: the, the big, I've extended seen this editions. photo before. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I just wanted to, to paint the scene because this is that night. The extended edition of Fellowship and Two Towers were available. Return of the King had not come out yet. And we had a party where we watched all of that. And we had a huge breakfast buffet spread. And my then girlfriend, now wife, got me the Lord of the Rings edition that I really fancied at Barnes and Noble where I worked. Wow. <sighs> the illustrated Alan Lee complete order the rings this thing clocks in at four pounds 12.9 ounces or 2180 grams good lord i don't know why i picked such a big book to read
0: and it's all three books right it's
1: all three books yes
0: well so we will have short edition editions for the next couple books yes
1: we will uh it's gorgeous
0: looks gorgeous fucking heavy Looks huge. Yeah, looks like the kind of thing I wouldn't want to carry around so that I could always keep reading.
1: Funny, um, I carried it around to uh, work the other day to finish up, and it wasn't light.
0: Yeah, I, I had to prop.
1: Like I had to prop it open under because there's so much space, and I didn't want to just you know rip the spine. So I had to put like a, a, a miniature speaker underneath it to keep it open while I read. Oh, fun to read though. Yeah, it adds to the eldritch nature.
0: Yeah, I can believe that. Cool. Well, good happy times. Happy eleventy Yes, I made a band. So let's let's chum. <laughs> That's good. I put mascara no on, on my except feet, except on party business. That's true. You had mascara, you said.
1: I put mascara on my feet. I have I have slightly hairy feet. I thickened that up with some mascara. You can see it in the photo. I saw that. Yeah.
0: Um, good times. Now, now you're gonna have to include the the photo in the podcast somehow. I, so, all the, so it'd be interactive and you can have you can reference it as artist one. <laughs> if it'll
1: let me include it in the body, I'll throw it in.
0: I don't care. All right um, well, I think let's move on to the reading. All right. And the first thing is forward. my summary here says I'm lumping everything before the forward into this section because I have no other titles. Firstly, there are two preface synopsises explaining the premise and setting of the book we're about to read, explaining Frodo, the ring, and the war to come.
1: Um, I don't think I have anything before the foreword. Oh, you don't? No.
0: I have... um, Are we talking like little
1: blurbs? Blurbs? I mean, there's the poem, obviously. I've got that.
0: No, um, I have something about... uh, J.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, of which this book is the first part, is a chronicle of the Great War of the Ring, hmm. which occurred in the Third Age of Middle-earth. At that time, the One Ring, the master of all rings of power, had been held from anywheres by the hobbits, but was eagerly sought by the enemy who made it. To its wearer, the One Ring gave mastery over every living creature, but since it was devised by an evil power, in the end it inevitably corrupted anyone who attempted to use it Yeah. out of the struggle to possess... And control the One Ring with all its ominous power. There arose a war comparable both in magnitude and in the issues involved to the great wars of our own time. And in that war, the third age of Middle-earth came to an end. And then there's more. Mm-hmm. Oh, Actually, I'll, I'll finish reading this. Yeah, go ahead. Because <laughs> it's... it's- The Fellowship of the Ring begins the story of that great war with the discovery of the nature of the ring and the flight of Frodo, unwilling heir to the One Ring, from his own land, closely pursued by the dark riders of the enemy. It tells of the great council at which it was decided that the ring must be destroyed. Frodo is appointed the ring bearer, and he and eight companions set forth on a long and perilous journey, beset by terrible dangers, not the least of which is the temptation to use the power of the ring and so be corrupted by it. For their task is to return to the ring to Mordor, the country of the enemy himself, and there to destroy it in which only the only way possible by casting it into the fire from which it came. So that was a thing before the forward. Mm -hmm. And then also I have a letter by Peter S. Beagle.
1: Oh, I like Peter S. Beagle. Do you? He's the author of The Last Unicorn.
0: Oh, well, Peter S. Beagle writes a letter here about this book. He just talks about how great it is, basically. <laughs> Fair um, enough. I mean, I, I could read the whole thing to you, but... Um,
1: Only if you want
0: to. Well, let's just get it out of the way then. Okay. <laughs> it's been 15 years at this writing since I first came across The Lord of the Rings and the stacks at the Carnegie Library in Pittsburgh. Mm, I've been looking for the book for four years, ever since reading W.H. Auden's review in the New York Times. I think of that time now. And the years after, when the trilogy continued to be hard to find, that's amazing and hard to explain to most friends with an undeniable nostalgia. It was a barren era for fantasy, among other things, but a good time for cherishing slighted treasures and mysterious passwords. Long before Frodo lives began to appear in the New York subways, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, was the magus of my secret knowledge. I've never thought it an accident that Tolkien's works waited more than ten years to explode into popularity almost overnight. The 60s were no fouler a decade than the 50s. They were merely reaped. They merely reaped the 50s' foul harvest, but they were the years when millions of people grew aware that the industri- industrial society that had become paradoxically unlivable, incalculably immoral, and ultimately deadly. In terms of passwords, the 60s were the time when the word progress lost its ancient holiness and escape stopped being comically obscene. The impulse is being called reactionary now, but lovers of Middle-earth want to go there. I would myself like a shot. For in the end, it is Middle-earth and its dwellers that we love, not Tolkien's considerable gifts in showing it to us. I said once that he that I said once that the world he charts was there long before him, and I still believe it. He is a great enough magician to tap our most common nightmares, daydreams, and twilight fantasies, but he never invented them either. He found them a place to live, a green alternative to each day's madness here in a poisoned world. We are raised to honor all the wrong explorers and discoverers, thieves planting flags, murderers carrying crosses. Let us at last praise the colonizers of dreams. Wow.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. I'm a little sad. I mean, I appreciate it wouldn't have fit in my book, but I'm a little sad <laughs> that uh, my, my ancient and most reverent tome. Um, but what an interesting, like, the, the dearth of reading material would have sucked, but to come across Lord of the Rings at that time would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. It really feels like you're going into Gondor to search, you know, for information about the ring. Yeah. You have to go to an ancient library. and Oh,
0: that's kind of cool. Very evocative. I like it. I have a note on his letter here that says, wow, this guy got it. I must confess before listening to the Prancing Pony podcast, I did not pick up on Tolkien's fierce animosity towards the Industrial Revolution and its consequences. And I feel like that is clearly, uh, like, described and addressed in... Uh, beagle's letter mm-hmm. down to specifically things like by th- it's so fascinating to think that by the 50s which again sort of resonates and makes sense but by the 50s some people had already decided that the industrial revolution has was a horrible mistake <laughs> and that and that pollution was destroying our world and that something needed to be done about it and of course that's this is you know pre the epa stuff like that would come, people would make changes out of this time period. It's it's sort of frustrating and, and I don't know, it's it's like bittersweet to think about how the problems that we're dealing with now with pollution and, and global warming and, and all this other stuff, people were there were people who were aware and vocal about it back in. you know, in, in nineteen seventy five at least. Right. Or earlier maybe. I forget when that led At was least
1: recently. fifty years ago.
0: 1973 is when he wrote that letter so yeah 50 uh, years e- ago <laughs> e- e- epa was uh was either just around the corner or had just happened i think yeah sorry your book doesn't have that yeah,
1: um that's okay because i got to hear it
0: it was great i wonder how many of the editions of lord of the rings like have different introductions by different people can i
1: see your copy again oh weird okay it's not the one i thought you had interesting
0: Yep. Okay, so now let's move into the foreword. The foreword. In the foreword, Tolkien provides a brief overview of the history of writing The Lord of the Rings, an assertion that the story was in no way intended to be allegorical and any such similarities between events in the story and those from our world are applicable to both but not allegorical. He also admits knowing of many errors or inconsistencies in the book that he has no obligation to fix, having done much defining already or refining already.
1: You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Tolkien, out. I think
0: I think I actually saw a typo in the sections we've read, but I just sort of blew past it and was like, oh, I don't care, no. whatever. I did, I did not catch one. It's funny to think that there that every time someone reads this, especially in the publication process, they wouldn't go, "Oh, typo, let's fix that." But again, maybe not as easy in 1975 or 73 or whatever.
1: So I had an interesting uh, note. I think. Okay. On Do page it. 10 of my book. Mm-hmm. Um. He wrote, and it had to be typed and retyped by me. The cost of professional typing by 10 fingers was beyond my means. So I'm like, what the fuck did that mean? He couldn't hire a typist. The, the fact that he threw the 10 finger line in there was weird to me. Because how else would you type? And I found out. First of all, oh, okay. I'm like, uh, did he lose a finger? A la, is that where Frodo of the nine fingers came from? No. According to Quora and a couple other places online, a couple of things you didn't know about JRR Tolkien lists. So, that's as verifiable as I could get. He typed <laughs> like this. Two finger Oh, a finger he, on each she, hand pecking it out. And you, know, wow. you look at the size of this book and you're like, "Jesus Christ. That's a lot of typing or that's a lot of hunting and pecking." Wow. You would think I would I would think, but maybe it's just because we had typing classes ever or I did that after you finished a fellowship amount of books, you'd be a little faster.
0: Yeah, and yeah, using or other like, fingers like,
1: oh, I can hit this with my pinky. Great, moving on. Yeah, that's. But maybe that's a ju- bummer if you're just if you start typing when you're X age, you're just setting your ways and you can't learn it. I don't know.
0: I know that typing was the thing. I mean, I had to take a class in middle school uh, about typing. Oh, thank God, I feel not so old. <laughs> where you know it was very much like a, it was like a computer science class, and yeah. the idea of the class was, we're going to teach you how to build rudimentary web pages and. We're gonna really bust you on how fast you can type. Yeah, and so we would <laughs> have like you know only typing, but but <laughs> <laughs> well, we we would have like you know those video games where it'd be like a computer game that was about typing. And so it was sure. like you know you have to type all these sentences in this amount of time. Go, right. and then you just have to you know go as fast as you can. You learn the home keys or the home row and all that other shit, and it's been amazing. Like, in retrospect, it was one of the most effective classes I had because I was probably slowly typing similarly uh, to Tolkien before that. Mm-hmm. Because I hadn't had to use computers that much in school up to that point, up to middle school. And even in high school, we didn't really use them. Use them a lot in college, obviously. But, like, it wasn't wasn't that much. Anyway.
1: So it just makes me wonder if Tolkien, at an early age, had taken a, a, a typing or stenography class or whatever they called it back in the day, if he would have put out much more
0: oh, work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's possible. He could maybe he a... could have finished the stuff he wanted to finish.
1: Right. It could have been a Lord of the Rings 2.
0: Well, at least it could Sauron's have been the, the the prequels. He could have finished The Children of Hurin.
1: Frodo and the Goblet of Fire.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so my my
1: other note. Yep. Uh, also around page 10 to 11, Tolkien's going off on allegory and why his book's not allegorical. Mm-hmm. And then he says, if it were allegory, it would look like this. And he started mirroring, you know, the events in, in Lord of the Rings to World War II. And I'm like, it's much darker. I, I it was just <laughs> I was struck by, he's like, oh, you want to see what an allegory looks like? Here you go, motherfucker. And you're like, "Yeah, okay. He's like, there yeah. would have been an invasion. There would have been an annexing. There I'm like, oh, damn. Oof. So he really does not like the allegory.
0: He really doesn't. I mean, it's something, again, that I, in that other podcast I listened to, they, they talk, they emphasize that quite a bit. Even, the, you know, the things about, like, I too have been enchanted by the idea that the Eagles represent the United States or this other stuff, but like.
1: Oh, swooping in to save the day? Yeah. In America's favorite, braggadocious notion yes. of World War II? Sure.
0: Yes. That, that has appealed to me quite a bit. But at the same time, hearing him straight up say, like, <laughs> Through, through the ages, looking back and saying, I promise you that's not it, <laughs> is, is pretty convincing. I'm grateful that he put that in there. He was like, don't think that this is allegory. I'm not using allegory. It's just a story.
1: Allegory is a device, and I'm electing to not.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're taking this out of here. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot, and I'm grateful for it. Hmm. Did you have any notes on the map? No. Neither do I, I don't think. I just wanted to point out that there is a map. It's nice when there are maps. I feel
1: like my map's not till after the forward. Oh, Either my though. app. Oh, sorry, right before book one for me.
0: My my app is right before Prologue.
1: And this is the part of the Shire?
0: No, I have a map of... Oh, the full er- Middle-Earth map? Yeah, it's like Mordor, Rohir, uh... Rohirrim. Ro- Rovia, Neon, Gondor, Eriador, Eredo- um...
1: I think I know the the map you mean, but I don't have it. Oh, okay. My map seemed to be pursuant to the section I'm
0: reading. Okay. Fascinating. Hmm. Um, Well, there's a map there. It's pretty cute, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how helpful it's going to be because I don't recognize a lot of the names, a lot of the places. Okay. So then uh, that brings us to. Prologue. And before we go to the prologue. Mm -hmm. And before we go to the prologue, yeah, let's let's see how far we've walked on our fantasy hikes. Oh crap, yes. I haven't
1: looked at it in so long. I oh, have yeah, gotten I some updates. Haven't. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, gosh.
0: I'm going to I'm going to just tell you where I am cuz it's going to be way behind you. Okay. Maybe it might not be. It is. You I let, let me put it this way. I haven't reached where you were 2 episodes ago. So, it's but behind you
1: have gone on a walkabout, haven't you? You've done a trek.
0: I did a, a Bilbo-inspired trek, yes. All right.
1: So, you know, I bet you got a little and bit I, more than you think.
0: I took, well, <laughs> I'm still behind you. For me, it's day 85, mm-hmm. and I am at 238 miles. Okay, okay. F- following Maybe, a path oh, towards south towards Watchertop.
1: Because mm. I couldn't say Weathertop. Uh, for me it's day eighty-four. I started one day after you. And I am at six hundred and ninety miles. Mm-hmm. Regiments of black crows are flying over the
0: land. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to feel ashamed about.
0: I, I know I hope you I hope you believe that. Because <laughs> of, of the two of us, I think there's only one that should feel shame at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm only 220 miles behind Mr. Underhill. My guess is you're well ahead of him.
1: Oh, I didn't actually I don't think so. My Underhill's going quicker. Oh, no, you're right. I am way beho- in front of him. Huh. Take that, Underhill. Yeah, it's sort Distance of odd, ahead of Mr. Underhill, 232 sort of, miles.
0: Sort of suspicious and odd, but it's fine. <laughs> it's I'm sure it's I'm sure there's numbers aren't fudged or manipulated unintentionally but hey, I'm sure they aren't. I
1: turned off the water thing. I will be walking down the river. Mm-hmm. There's lots of orcs and urukai mm-hmm, and crazy mm-hmm. kooky things.
0: Well, if anyone wants to know how long it really takes to get, just pay attention to my numbers. That's more <laughs> realistic. Um, any, anyway, okay, let's get back to the prologue. Go for it. Mm. Prologue one concerning hobbits. This is a hobbit topology chapter of the book. Tolkien establishes the different family groups of hobbits, summarizes their distinctive characteristics, histories, behavior, and culture. This stuff's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is my least favorite stuff that we read oh. this, sh- this section. <laughs> That's amazing. It was so difficult to get to. Um, oh. my, I have a note here on page 24, for my page 24. Okay. Here it says, and so it begins Tolkien renaming shit and making knowing what he's talking about very difficult. <laughs> Example. Let's see what page 24 rocked. I don't remember. I just remember it was like, this thing was called this, but we moved it and changed it to be called this. <laughs> and it's like, why? <laughs> I wish I had a good, I wish I had written down exactly what it was. Oh, maybe it was just the name of the Shire. Like it was called something else. And then they were like, yeah, it's called the Shire now. Mm. Anyway. Well. Like like we talked about in Children of Purin, that's a very reasonable and real worldy thing to do. It's just also obnoxious.
1: Sure uh page 14 i really enjoyed the tease of curiously tall hobbits oh the i, I, I know how was, that, what's gonna happen there
0: was that when mary and pippin drink? oh the, we don't the know Walt what water. happened spoilers so when they drink the water of the spoilers the end spoilers. spoilers spoilers some people haven't read this book he does spoil that's not even in this book he does spoil well it is for me <laughs> He spoils a lot, honestly, in in my edition, in a lot of this preface stuff. We'll get there, but he he spoils a lot. So, shame on you for making this your first time reading it.
1: Well, I don't think this was... I think he didn't spoil it. I think you did.
0: No, not that one.
1: All Tolkien says was, he was surpassed in all Hobbit records only by two famous characters of old. But that curious matter is dealt with in this book.
0: Uh Uh-huh. When Merry and Pippin drink the ant water. Um, So, then, like... uh, Ruining it! So the next is uh, what's next for you. Oh, I'm not done. Oh, you're not done. Good, good, I'm good. I'm not done with concerning Hobbits. Good. Um,
1: while I had this on, I was listening to the complete recordings of Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. and I got to wondering. Um, this is really having to do with the book, but it's still, it's a ponderance. Maybe you know. When a when a big movie is made, do filmmakers approach the composers saying, "We want the full Wagnerian works"? Does it cost more to have leitmotifs and memorable musical phrases than just accompaniment? Or do you just say, you want to score my movie and hope for the best?
0: I don't know. I imagine that there's a certain standard of expectation, especially when you're the person you choose to be your composer, you would expect to have that. For example, if you listen to the score for Gladiator Mm -hmm. and you listen to the score for Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, the... Pirates of the what I would refer to as the Pirates of the Caribbean like melody sure is absolutely sourced from gotcha. a remarkably similar melody in Gladiator
1: the same composer
0: and Hans Zimmer composed okay. both yeah I, I do so, know
1: composers do that sometimes
0: and so it seems to me that like with that one the uh, that seems like laziness to me mm-hmm. uh, seems like you know oh you got one riff kind of lame. But I think that like you do expect that, especially with a franchise, that there will be you know like the Avengers have a theme, and and that theme gets you know dropped in every once in a while in in those movies. Or I'm thinking other like
1: movies. like um a little bit more like John Williams composed the music for the 1979 Dracula, mm-hmm. and it's pretty standard. It's gothic. It's you know appropriately swoopy and creepy at times, but it is nothing compared to his work in Star Wars or Superman or Raiders where you know there's some orchestration happening. And oh, I was just yeah. I was wondering if, if it's like if there's like if there's like a bigger price point like 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 at mm. a at a frozen yogurt shop. Like, oh you want the works?
0: Yeah. A little bit more Perhaps. More. I don't know. I've never I've never heard about the money dealings with composers. I just assume that like you tell them up front this is what I want or they know because they're you know professionals. Sure. And then you you pay for that and that's what you get. But I would, I mean, I think there's also a nature of like when a movie has an epic nature, you have to have that stuff Mm -hmm. versus like. That's true. You know, a a, a less epic film. Like I don't, I I don't know if there are, speaking of vampire films, I don't know if there are motifs because I just don't remember in in a movie like uh, Interview with a Vampire. That would have a far fewer like action sequences and is a lot more moody and dialogue driven Mm -hmm. versus. i I watched it
1: recently. I don't remember a lot of music.
0: Yeah, but versus something like the Avengers or the start the you know JJ Abrams Star Trek or mm-hmm. Star Wars or Lord of the Rings like all of those have these themes and these these you know very clear and established and memorable melodies that like emphasize their excitement and their tone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but I uh, it's an interesting question.
1: Oh, thank you. And then lastly in this section, I just thought I would kick the hornet's nest. Oh no. Cause I remembered a lot. Like I only watched, I think two episodes of the Amazon prime. Oh, okay. Episode. Are you talking about Uh, the the darker hobbits? I'm talking about the darker hobbits. Yes.
0: How would I know?
1: Very book on page 15 for me. They say the Harfoots, which they were in the movie or the show, the Harfoots were browner of skin. Done. Arguments over. I solved racism,
0: but he doesn't say anything about elves or about dwarves. I'm not talking about elves and dwarves. I'm talking about Harfoots right now. No, I'm talking about the complaints about the show extended beyond the Hobbits. But I'm not talking about those complaints right now. Well, but they're (laughs) all one and the same, but also are dumb. Nice save. I I mean, it's it's certainly a weird issue because, like, we talked about this a little bit in the last book about how strict he seemed to be about depictions of his works visually, right? And if... He and there's certain things about that those those works that he like very clearly wanted to look certain ways that even the films didn't really do perfectly. For example, um, well, first off, adding all the shit that they added in the Hobbit series. Mm. But but then uh even things like I'm pretty sure they describe like l- the elves that Legolas is a part of as being very br- like all brown hair. Like all of them. The else. Right. Yeah, yeah. you see that you see the movie and Legolas has this amazing shock of blonde hair. And so does his father in in The Hobbit. Right. And that's a really striking and distinctive and different thing. His
1: father, I definitely expect to be dark haired.
0: Right. And and so both of them are are not and and not even like you couldn't even make an argument that they are sort of darker hair. No, they're fucking platinum. They're platinum blondes. Yeah.
1: So they're Malfoy's.
0: Yeah. So it's. When it comes to like that, I imagine that he would be bummed out about that kind of change. And in in a sense, like if if he didn't have like skin tone like not I don't know how much it matters really, but it seems like he cared about a lot of different things, so I just wonder how much he would have like I wonder if there's some information that I just don't know about where it's sure. like clear that he he said something specifically about I mean what uh, skin he would have thought
1: is a very interesting question of the movies of cartoons sure but i mean
0: mean more specifically what did he think of his own works when he didn't say uh, on subjects he didn't address anywhere oh i got you so like you know if if he never like is it possible that he had such an anglo worldview that he wouldn't even have considered bringing up that there would be different shades of people Mm. and in that way in his vision it was a very anglo-centric like world um and, and and if that's, you know, I'm not saying that it's, it's a good idea to base these perspectives on assumptions or or what ifs, but if he, if there is some sort of record of him announcing it like there is with the elves where it's like brown hair, I imagine that he it w- he wouldn't like that. Like he wouldn't like a, a deviances from his intention. He seemed to very much not like that, but also like, so there's like one end of it's like I, I can I can see the perspective of like it doesn't matter like that he wouldn't like it because he's not here and there's like someone else paid for the right to do whatever they wanted to with his work mm-hmm. shrug. You just have to like live with that. And the other end is like I do think there's room to say if you are a person who I think there's room for people to say I'm unsatisfied with this depiction of this work because of this issue because it doesn't represent the work as I as I uh, am accustomed to consuming it to say like, it just, it, it isn't the, it doesn't feel like the fiction I'm, I expected and therefore I'm unsatisfied with the product. And I feel like there's a way to say that that isn't inherently racist because it has, if you just take the idea of, yes, unfortunately you are talking about performers skin tones in their world, but like, I can appreciate that perspective. If you're just going to say, if you're going to be much more crude about it or be much more like insulting and and vile about it, I have no sympathy. If for example, let's say for example, some, somebody had made a, my little pony product where somehow they were turned into high school girls. Like that would be real fucking weird to me. (laughs) And I would think that that was something I wouldn't like because it's so bizarre and far off from the thing I do like, that I would say, nope, that's not for me. I don't like it, and I specifically don't like that they were turned into high school girls. Thank God that's never happened. Right. But if, what if it if they had, were college girls? Oh, it would be worse. It would be worse. Because it's you're already talking about a fandom that is horribly unnecessarily sexualized on the internet already in their native form. And then you add this element of like like frisky co-ed to the mix and it just becomes worse. It becomes so much worse.
1: 20-somethings making their way in the city as roommates. Oh. Drinking Cosmos. Oh! Sex in the City, My Little Pony.
0: Well, it would be Sex in Equestria. Oh. Sexquestria.
1: Sexquestria. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah! Horrible. You're such um, a
1: pinkie pie. That's a goddamn uh, lie. I'm a pinkie pie.
0: Ugh. All right, whatever. Anyway, so that's so in in that sense, that's the way I relate to the like empathizing with people who had a problem with rings of power. On another (laughs) sense, get the fuck over it. It doesn't matter. Like if if, if, like representation isn't so threatening that you have to like make big announcements about it, like on your own. It's it's like I talked about this in you because this is the last episode I listened to. I talked about that thing about uh, my perspective on. Social media being a way that we've lost track of of sharing ideas by thinking and we're only sharing ideas by reacting. And it's it's it seems like there's a lot more capital to how upset you can get like like and that makes someone more right or Mm -hmm. more valuable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that like the people who really decided to make a big deal about the race, the race of the casting in Rings of Power. Are those horrible people who should, you know, shut the fuck up. Like,
1: anyway, just take there's a, a
0: moment and think there's just a difference between saying I don't like this for this reason and then getting up and making not liking it for this reason. Your entire personality. Right. Like like that. That's the part where it's like you you aren't you aren't just having an opinion here. You are proselytizing. You're trying to spread an idea with your feelings that is probably not nice. And this one, I feel like that that's where it to me, that's the line where it becomes racist is you're like, so you don't watch any shows with people of color of any kind. Is that bother you? Is that the thing that's the problem? Anyway, uh, luckily, I don't really know too many of those people. So, herzah, we were saved from them. Herzog. But back to what you were saying, yes, it is wonderful that it is it, there's a mention of something kind of that gives some sort of like foundational credence to the uh harfoots in the text. Yes. That's fun. You got more? You got you got so much more, don't you? Well, okay. Well, then let's bring us to the next part.
1: 2. Concerning pipeweed.
0: Two pages about hobbits taking credit for smoking tobacco like it's the best thing since sliced bread.
1: Only one note, And I don't know if I have the... I I copied down the quote. I don't know if I have the actual thing. But this is the section that made me first wonder who was writing this.
0: Oh, like who was writing it? Bilbo or Tolkien? uh, Sure. Or or, or
1: Frodo or or whomever. Um, Because it could be Sam. Um, The only problem is I feel like everyone of note is referred to in the third person, Mm. which means Mm -hmm. the narrator is either... Another person, or is trying to just refer to themselves in the third person because they said, "Not even the wizards first thought of that—the smoking of the pipeweed—before we did." Though one wizard that I knew took up that long ago. So I'm just mm. like, "Hmm, who is?" Because, but then again, he'll—this person will also talk about Frodo or Sam or something. And I'm just like, "I'm not sure who it, who's writing this." I, it feels like it's Frodo, but it's weird that he refers to himself, but then also writes. From a distance, so I was just curious.
0: Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's a good question. Oh, okay. thank you. That's all I've got. What's What's next?
1: Three. Of the Ordering of the Shire.
0: Here is described hobbit jobs like postmaster, mayor, and police called sheriffs. No notes. No, no notes. It's fine. What's the next part, Rob?
1: Four. On the Finding of the
0: ring. This section recaps both versions of Bilbo's Discovery of the Ring as well as meta context surrounding the event.
1: Yep. I feel like I gave all my notes on that last four episodes. Yeah. Or five.
0: We talked about it at least in the in the last book. Um, all right. What's last... next?
1: <laughs> notes on the Shire Records.
0: This section is sort of a fictional bibliography wherein Tolkien establishes which authors and which cities wrote which books containing the stories within the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Do you have any notes? No. I do. Uh, here it is... This is my one of my notes that I mentioned earlier. Here it is clearly stated that all of the Hobbits survived the events of the series. I wonder if Notes on the, on the Shire Records was included in the first printing because if so, it's a massive spoiler. I
1: feel... I've read this somewhere, and I don't have anything more than a vague feeling, so I'm sorry about that. I feel like Concerning Hobbits used to be con- contained in the appendices.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And they put it at the front of the book to be like, just so you know what's going on. Yeah. Because we can't just drop you in the middle of this magical shit. You'll be like, what's going on? Up is down. I don't
0: understand. I would be like that.
1: So I feel like, I mean, it's it's not too much of a spoiler because you have- seen the movies
0: N- not for me but for sure someone who no, no I understand like, I understand um but but there's there's moments when these characters face real peril and to to have that safety net of knowing that they'll be fine ahead of time mm-hmm. it def- it's gonna deflate some of the experience
1: I feel I maybe I'll look this maybe I'll be I'll, I'll make that my homework for next time to look about concerning hobbits what do we call it stuff at Housekeeping. No, it's off the end. Appendices.
0: Appendices. Not appendicitis. Appendectomies.
1: Okay. Got that
0: note. Oh, if you ripped the appendices out of a book, is that an appendectomy? Yes. Whoa. New word alert. Okay. Well, if you have no more notes and that finally brings us to...
1: <gasps> I'm going to do it in the order <laughs> that my incredibly staid and pretentious book, does it? <clears throat> the Fellowship of the Ring, being the first part of The Lord of the Rings, Book One, Chapter One, A Long-Expected Party. Whew.
0: That's weird. Mine just says Book One on the page before, and then it just goes, Chapter One, A Long-Expected Party. No, I've That's... got this
1: whole... Check this
0: out. This is gorgeous. It's very formal. <gasps> Wow. Very formal. Yes. Okay. (coughs) Here goes.
1: Boop. 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 Boop.
0: Go ahead. Bilbo is preparing for his 111th birthday with a grand party full of presents, food and guests and surprises. Bilbo plans to leave the Shire for good and leaves his remaining Middle-earthly possessions to his nephew and heir, Frodo including his magical ring. After startling his guests with a disappearing act, Bilbo is confronted by Gandalf about the ring. The old hobbit reluctantly relinquishes the ring and trots off into the darkness accompanied by three dwarves. Frodo is occupied for the next day or so with the hanging, uh, uh, handing out of gifts to Bilbo's party guests, including the covetous Saxville Bagginses. Yeah. With that finished, Gandalf makes a final visit to Bag End and warns Frodo to be careful with the ring. But now he must go, but he will return when he can with information pertinent to Frodo's case, i.e. the ring.
1: So first of all, I just want to get this out of the way, because my reaction made me think of it. You're not going to maintain a campaign where the Sackville Bagginses are fantastic and Frodo's a dick, right?
0: Well, now I feel like I have to. Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Almost a (laughs) spit-tick.
0: I mean, they did their waiting. 60 years of it.
1: <laughs> they, they can wait all the fucking long they want. They have no claim on Bag End. I don't like the <laughs> Sackville this man. Oh. Oh. And then casting the mom from Dead Alive, uh, Brain Dead, sorry, uh, as Lobelia. Ch- Choice. Mm. Oh, well it's it's,
0: I I don't feel like they're going to be present enough to be bullied like the Dursleys were but also it seems like mo I, it's it's interesting to hear all these descriptions of hobbits they seem to be sort of like covetous thieving like people he doesn't just he doesn't ever say that in any of the descriptions of hobbits but in the descriptions of their actions right they're always like trying to steal take take more than they need and like rob each other They seem like kind of horrible people. They're they're
1: little capitalists.
0: Yeah, but also weirdly not. They're also like these weird hermits, you know?
1: Right, right. It's, it's, well, like the infighting in a small village you might see. You know, it's completely picturesque and lovely, but they're uh, killing all the skater punks for the greater good.
0: But when you look at like how Tolkien described the dwarves, and he, remember in a couple chapters, a couple of books ago, when he was like, "Oh, they aren't heroes. They are only going to help mm-hmm. people if they see a reason to, or some right. shit like that." He doesn't have any sort of scathing ob- observations about hobbits that he shares in sections like concerning hobbits or any anything even in the last book there's no they're, they're always like treated as like they're people that like comfortable things they like being comfortable they like being warm and eating a lot and naps and you know working the earth and tilling and like gardening these you know wholesome down to earth things and he doesn't say they're also sticky fingered and they they will walk into someone's house and just take things
1: okay well here's a thought maybe he's he's grown as a writer since the hobbit he's writing for adults now and as we've established in the Concerning Hobbits chapter, this book is somewhat written from the perspective of a hobbit. So maybe that hobbit is prejudiced to in favor of his own people and is not saying we're a bunch of greedy little buggers.
0: I think oh, that's exactly it.
1: We just like comfort and things, and you know, we'll take a fucking ring if we feel like it.
0: Yeah. And I'll lie about it. Right. Because <laughs> the first thing Bilbo pretty much does is steal. Yeah. I mean he's hired as a burglar. It's funny you say that, because there's a point in here where he he mouths off to Gandalf and says, I'm not a thief. And then Gandalf says, I've never called you that. And I'm thinking, I've you, never but you called him that. a burglar. Right. Like you, you you hired him as a burglar in the previous story. That was literally called him a thief. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't want to split hairs over synonyms, but it feels pretty close. <laughs> like, it feels like someone who's announcing I'm no thief, but I am a burglar is right. a f- idiot. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not a killer. I'm just an assassin. Yeah, I'm not a murderer. I'm just a gun for hire. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's that's that's the thing. So no, I don't believe I will defend the Saxville Bagginses. Okay, good. They seem they seem awful. There was a great moment where the uh, Lobelia says something mean to Frodo about like he's not even a Baggins or he's not really he's he's not a uh, he's not a Baggins. He's a Took, I think. Yeah, no, or, brandy, or he's not brandy book. He's not even a brandy book. Yeah, and, and then he yeah. says something like suggesting that that's better and he he tells uh mary, mary who is a brandy buck that and then mary's response is something like i think that she's intended that to be a compliment but being that she said it it must not be true or something weird oh like i that. thought he was
1: i thought he was being self-effacing and going <sighs> Like Frodo tried to turn it into a compliment, and Mary is just like, "Yeah, but it, you know, we're fucking brandy books, so eh, that, that can't, it can't be true." I don't know. Well, I either heard way, it was. was it was. She, it was she, she is were is both a saying, person. fuck you, Labilia.
0: So she, I, I took it more as she's a horrible person. So if she said something nice about me, she must not mean it. Mm. It or it must be an outright lie, because anything oh, here she we says go. is only intended to hurt someone else. Good.
1: You'll live to regret it, young fellow. Why didn't you go too? You don't belong here. You're no baggins. You're you're. A brandy buck. Did you hear that, Mary? That was an insult, if you like, said Frodo as he shut the door on her. It was a compliment, said Mary Brandy Buck, and so, of course, not true. So, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. So, anyway, um, all right, do you have a. Uh, when's, your, when's your first note? I don't know first if pages note, matter much.
1: Page uh, It's not going to matter too much. Page 35 for me. Okay. Uh, confirmation that Frodo's parents drowned. We've already touched on it. Just wanted to. Do my due diligence. <laughs> okay. I don't want anyone thinking that I'm wrong or, or um, that I'm wrong uh, without changing my ways.
0: D- duly noted. I, I have a note on a, on Bilbo's gifts. Okay. Uh, I like that he gives out gifts to people and the gifts are spiteful. Oh. Uh, I like that he gives he gives a round mirror to a young hobbit girl who believes she has a very round face. I do have and, that note
1: coming up. That's much later and, for me. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and we and we can talk the, about it now.
0: Yeah, he gives the silverware to the Saxville Bagginses because as a sort of sly, like, reminder of, like, I know you stole my silverware. Here's the rest of it, ya bitch. The, and, <laughs> the
1: waste paper basket to the woman who incessantly wrote him. Yeah. Likewise, the correspondence materials to the motherfucker who never wrote him. Right, right. I, my, so... my note is, are there anything better, or I guess it would be, is there anything better than Bilbo's passive-aggressive final gifts? <laughs>
0: It just again it speaks I again mean, through their actions hobbits seemed like assholes. Yeah. Like <laughs>
1: they're my people. They like to eat. There you go. They like comfort. They like saying fuck you.
0: You looked you looked at home with that mascara on your feet. Right?
1: <laughs> All um, right, what's your
0: next note? Cuz I'm out of note. I'm I have an fine, overall note, but
1: Um oh, okay, okay, one gross. Let's talk about that for a sec. Sure. One gross, wonderfully set up, I thought. Uh, 144 is a number, also called a gross, but you would never use that for people. Two pages later, he uses it for people to their annoyance. Just It was just a fun bit of writing, a little setup that you're just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to consider this. But by the time you get there, it has punch because you were there for the windup. And I, I just like, I, I really appreciated that. Nice. It was fun. Um, page 45 for me. Like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. This passage has ensured that I never skimp on butter whilst preparing bread or making toast. <laughs> nice. I'm always like, slicker. I, 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 my family has complains. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you eat that or you become a fucking ring wraith. Wow. Okay. Sane. Um. <laughs> um, that's it for my specific notes. Okay. Uh, I, only,
0: I I have an overall note that's pretty long.
1: Okay. Um. I also have an overall lo- note that is not long. Okay. You go so. first. Okay. We'll go first. The Hobbit and stuff is my favorite part of Lord of the Rings. I often wish it was an entire book of just Hobbiton. Um. But then again, I can just read the books of James Harriet for that, because all creatures great and small is basically just that. What if there was a Hobbit veterinarian, doing Hobbity shit, Hobbit Hobbit style. Fascinating. Yeah, I think so.
0: My note is, I'm struck with recognizing that in the past, I've been very critical of sequels rehashing the themes or scenes from the original. How many Death Stars can we blow up before coming up with a new and different idea? Mm. But for some reason, despite beginning with a party and Bilbo leaving the Shire with dwarves, this feels different. Mm. I think it has everything to do with the with reverence and not repetition. I think Tolkien is wisely introducing familiar elements from The Hobbit to ease the audience back into Middle-earth. Agreed. By reintroducing Bilbo and even writing similar events, Tolkien, like up to literally like the title of this chapter is a tongue-in-cheek reference to the chapter from the other book. Mm -hmm. By introducing Bilbo and even writing similar events, Tolkien reacquaints us with his most familiar character before passing the torch to the new guy.
1: I going to say it's a passing torch chapter. Yes.
0: Somehow, despite its brevity and inevitability, this feels very natural and not perfunctory or forced.
1: Agreed. I think and it's I think a great that, like,
0: it's, it's It was one of those things where I was re- reading it and I was like, man, this is like, he's really hitting all the same notes. And then I thought a little bit more about it and I was like, you know, it came up with what I wrote. You know, thinking about stuff like Captain America and the Winter Soldier is another, not to just just pile on Disney, but. Sure. Uh, Tolkien would. Yeah. That whole series didn't feel like it didn't feel to me natural. I didn't feel like I had any like stakes in caring who became the next Captain America because that wasn't any part of what Endgame was about. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't know Captain America was going to fucking become an old man at the end of at the end of Endgame before it just happened. And so there was no, like, reason to give a shit about who picks up the shield next. And then the very next time we see these other characters, that's the, that's the conversation is, well, who's the rightful heir of Captain America's title and shield? And it's like, I don't, I don't care. Why is it a competition at all? Why are, who gives a shit? Just let them, who, I don't, it just felt, it felt forced. It felt like trying to play catch up to something they didn't even intend. Right. I don't know. There, there's. There's other like you know I I feel like Star Wars is a great example of of again this this sort of problem with blowing up another death star in in uh Force Awakens and then basically blowing up another death star in Last Jedi or whatever the uh, whatever the last one was was it Rise of Skywalker That sounds whatever. right I never I saw any of them care. so I don't know Yeah they're awful huh. I wouldn't know Well it's good <laughs> that you don't know cuz they're gluck, 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 they're gluck, worthless gluck. It's gonna be really weird when I have to deal with people in the future who are who like grew up on those movies yeah. and they're like, no, no, those are those are the good Star Wars, and you're like, no, they're not. You don't, you poor bastard. You don't have any taste. You, you. It's like you're like a person who grew up drinking pool like water, like water full of chlorine. You don't know. You don't know what <laughs> water is good. You just know what water has been processed for you. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Ugh. And they, and they, they're, it's gonna be, it's gonna be awful. And their brains are rotted. Anyway, I, I, I'm grateful for that. I'm, I think it's kind of, a, it's kind of wonderful that that somehow he figured out how to do sequels right hmm. and how to launch a franchise correctly. I don't, I don't know if he, I don't know how much thought he put into it, but what, what he did clearly worked. Right. Even when he has to do things like retcon, like insist that they were orcs and not goblins that he, that they were fighting in The Hobbit, or other weird stuff like that. Sure. That that eventually should feel awkward and wrong, but Makes somehow he's getting he's, away with it. Yeah,
1: well, he's still finding his feet.
0: Well, he's also rewriting constantly apparently. Sure. So, you know, he gets a lot of credit from doing that. Yeah? That's my uh that's my notes. Okay. Well, if you don't have anything else, then we can do a uh, new word alert. <laughs> All right, ready? I am. Stolid. Stalin? Stolid. Oh, stolid. Stolid. Didn't we do this last time? Did we? I'm, I don't remember. It doesn't like this thing doesn't keep track of what words I've used. I think
1: we did because the my first reaction is the same incorrect usage that I thought of last time, which okay. I always think of it as kind of like solid. Oh, right. And that's incorrect. But what does it mean?
0: Um, Having like little to no emotions. Okay. Did we do, incommensura- incommensurable? I think so. Did we? Damn it! I can't. We're gonna have to do all of these. No, not that. Is not what it means? Well, I guess it is kind of what that means. But
1: you know uh, what? It's it's okay. We're rehashing it, much like this chapter, and then we're gonna build on it with new things.
0: Incommensurable.
1: Yeah. No, to, was, it, to, was it was me.
0: Lacking a basis of comparison in respect to a quality normally subject to comparison. That's
1: what I said. You can't commiserate. You said not that.
0: Commiserate feels like a little different than comparing. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. It just feels different. Okay. I said you're right already. How many times do I need to say it? You're right. You're right. More. More. All right. Here's another top timely word. Toleration.
1: Toleration, toleration. It sounds like something Yosemite Sam would exclaim.
0: <laughs> what in toleration? What yeah. does it mean? The act of practice of tolerating something.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think I could have guessed that, but I was too taken with my Looney Tunes <laughs> vocalizations.
0: <laughs> yep, uh, toleration and a conjugation for tolerate. I had not found before. Alright, let's try he, this one. He
1: pushes he vexes me, he pushes me past the point of all toleration. Ebullience. I'm sorry. Ebullience. I You're gonna have to say it. Ebullient. Ebullient. Ebullience Uh means like uh full of bright happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I I've learned that. That word from uh, P.G. Wodehouse. Thank you. Yes. Oh,
0: very good. Very good. Okay, you ready for another one? Yes. Provender.
1: That's another one I looked up, and I think it means... That that was one of my new words. I think it means, like, uh, technically feed for animals.
0: Yeah, dry food.
1: But only because I looked it up. But yeah, they were saying uh, kids need a lot of provender or something.
0: Yep. All right, that's it for me. What do you have?
1: Well, other than provender, which I had, I am actually going back to the well and doing a new word alert that we've done before. Oh but no! Be- but it was used differently, and that's what threw me. So here we go.
0: Draft. So not like a, not like a like a beer or a like a bit of fresh air or a like a.
1: No, I didn't realize they had done that to me. That's not the word. Hold on.
0: Try mm. it again. Draft. Damn it. Well, that's the same thing I would have said before.
1: <laughs> look, the word is D R A U G H T. I Draft. Under- I understand it's that lieutenant thing that the British do, but I would look at this word and say draught. Okay. But yes, it is a British spelling of draft.
0: Which is the air or the beer? Neither. Okay. Or the or like to, to enlist someone. Closer. Okay.
1: In the book, it was referred to as a draught sorry, a draft of cooks. Okay. And so it so. is used in a group of individuals selected, especially by military draft. Okay. But yes, that that's how it was used as a collection of people. And I was like, Oh, a draught of cooks. So well, I was confused. A draft of cooks. I can't I can't do it, man. There's a U, there's a G, there's an H, there's a T. I can't turn that into an aft and into an f. I've had enough of it.
0: What about rot?
1: I've had enough of it.
0: Okay, we're both we're both doing the same thing. Enough. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I think that ends episode one fifty five. Sexquestria.
0: Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Um. <laughs> um uh, next episode, we're gonna read. Chapters two through four. Two through four. That's chapters two, three, and four. Got and it. No more, no less. you saying we're not going to do five? Three are the number of chapters we shall read. And the number of the chapters we read shall be three. Chapter six, right out. <laughs> not chapter five. Not <laughs> chapter six. Chapter one is right out. (laughs) Also that. Already done that. Um, Okay. That's it. (laughs) Uh, All right, cool. Uh, That was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers, and please discuss us extensively on Reddit.